Father, I just pray now in the name of Jesus, Lord, you do a miracle. A miracle in our midst, a miracle not only corporately, but a miracle to each and every one of us individually. Lord, that you by the presence and the power of your Spirit, you would remove any veil off of our eyes that we might see the truth of your word tonight like we've never seen it before. And I pray that you would remove any, any hindrance from our ear, God, that we would hear what you are saying to us, to us individually, for our family, and Lord God, for our community, and our part in your kingdom. And I pray, Lord God, that you would put a beat in our heart that would exceed any beat before, that we would feel the passion of heaven, that we would feel the urgency, Lord God, of the call that you placed upon our lives, the anointing that you've anointed us with, and the gifting that you've given us, Lord God, that we would stand and be willing to fight, fight against every opposing force that would come against your call on our life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, God, that you would prepare us for your word like never before. Do a miracle in this house. Do a miracle in our lives that we can truly say when we leave here in the next moments, Lord God, that we have truly feasted upon your word and we have yielded to your spirit and we have truly grown in our faith so that we can walk it out for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen, Amen. amen. Man, I had to pray extra hard because we're going to answer some questions tonight, some hard questions that a lot of people uh, I'm hearing this day and age is seemingly more and more. People are asking, are demons real? Or is the devil real? You know, is there such thing as a real devil? Is there such thing as real demons? Or is that all folklore? Is that all just mythology or something of the sort? And, uh, and that needs to be addressed because let me tell you what, how you answer that question is going to determine how you will live your life. And how you live your life is going to determine whether you walk in victory or you walk in defeat. And I want to see every one of you victorious. I want to see every one of you overcomers. No, I want to see you more than overcomers, as the Scripture says. I want to see you more than conquerors, as the Bible teaches. I want to see the devil destroyed and his works destroyed. And I want to see you victorious. And, and how you answer this question is going to depend on and determine how you live your lives. We're going to be looking in Acts chapter 13 tonight, which is actually going to be quoting Habakkuk chapter 1. And uh, so these are going to be two uh, big scriptures. Uh, I've got the text overhead for you. We'll look at it in just a few minutes. But uh, a lot of people say, where in the world is Habakkuk? Well, if you started in the uh, first book of the New Testament, Matthew, and you were to put it in reverse and back up five books, you'd come through Malachi and Zechariah and Haggai and Zephaniah, then you would hit Habakkuk. There, there's that book that you probably have spent a lot of time on in your life. Not. And, uh, but it's an important book, and we're going to be looking at that tonight. And as we prepare to look at uh, 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 Acts chapter 13, what's happening is Paul is uh, preaching a message. And he is in Antioch at Poseida, uh, 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 Poseidia, uh, where it's different than Antioch at Syria. Antioch at Syria is where he was sent out on his missionary journey. 
And Antioch of Pisidia is probably about 600 plus 700 miles away where Turkey is today. Uh, and that's where he's at uh, on his missionary journey. And he's preaching the word of God there to them. And uh, as he's preaching that, let's look at Acts 13 together, verse 40. He's just preached about Jesus and he's ending his message with a caution. He's given them the truth, he's given them the word, he's given them all that Jesus has done for them. But then he puts his caution in here. He says, beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets, and he's literally talking about Habakkuk because he's going to quote Habakkuk here in just a minute. And uh, he says, beware what has been spoken in the prophets comes upon you. And then he begins to quote Habakkuk 1. And he says, behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So what he's referencing is that God became man in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. He came and died on the cross for our sins, for our salvation of mankind. He's, uh, so Paul is saying the prophet prophesied that the, Maya, the Messiah would come, and when the Messiah would come, you would not even believe it if someone were to tell you. you, would, you would, you'd have your eyes closed and your ears closed to the truth even though it was right there before you. And he says, so he goes back to Habakkuk to tell him, you got to be careful now because this is why you'll, you, you've missed Jesus. This is why you've missed the Messiah. He said, because the enemy is trying to blind you to the truth. So he says, there's an enemy force working against you to keep you from receiving the gospel message, seeing the gospel message, believing the gospel message, and living in the gospel power of that message in and through your life. So, so what we want to do is go back to Habakkuk and get the context of what Paul was drawing from because there's, if the Holy Spirit has Paul quoting from Habakkuk, he's trying to teach us something in the New Testament that we need to understand. So let's go back to Habakkuk chapter 1 and look at verse 5 where he's quoting here. He says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. So he's talking about the Chaldeans here. And they, uh, as you look at the Chaldeans, they are an Old Testament type of demons. The Bible gives us a lot of blood and guts and gore and warfare in the Old Testament in the physical realm as it is pointing and showing us as types and shadows of that which the demonic forces uh, as examples of how the spiritual warfare is conducted. It's hard to fight and, 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 and you know, fight something you can't see. So what the God does is He shows us in the natural how these demons come and the devil comes upon these leaders and has them uh, act out in the physical. Those same spirits are the spirits that we now war against. And we're not to war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and these rulers of darkness in high places. And in this particular context of Habakkuk, he's talking specifically about the Chaldeans who he is using as an Old Testament type of demons, the enemies of God's people coming against God's people and God himself. And in verse 6 he says, uh, For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and a hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. 
Do you see their purpose? They're going, they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. And this word in Hebrew, possess, means to gain mastery over. Basically, they are going, trying to find how they can hook some strings to you and control your life. That's this word in the Hebrew means to literally become the master puppeteer of your life. Now, he's showing us this about the Chaldeans so that we can see it in the physical to understand how the enemy is working through demon spirits. There are spirits at work right now and their agenda, their training, their, their whole strategy is to try and gain mastery over you, to find an area of your life that you are not, that you don't have the Spirit of God as Lord over, Jesus as Lord over, so that they can hook a string to it and they can pull that area of your life. Even if they can't have all of your life, they'll take what they can get and they feel like if they can get part of your life, they can eventually get more and more and take mastery over all of your life. So they're seeking to gain control over dwelling places that are not theirs. That's what the Bible says about them. Now, in that day, when Paul quoted this scripture, if they had gone back to Habakkuk chapter 1 and read that, I'm sure the skeptics would have said, well, Paul's out of his mind because there are no more Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were utterly destroyed, according to history, in 539 B.C. And we read in Jeremiah 50 and 51, tells us that there's not one Chaldean left the Chaldeans were never mentioned or referred to ever again as a nation or an ethnicity uh, uh, as you find in history. They were utterly destroyed. So, so think about this. Here Paul is saying, beware unless the Chaldeans come upon you. And the folks there uh, had to know it couldn't mean literal Chaldeans because the Chaldeans were no more, no more. So what in the world was he talking about? And, and uh, you know, either he's crazy and he's just make-believe or there's another reference here. It would kind of be uh, like us today where the skeptics would say something like, did you hear that uh, Christian embassy is teaching on demons? They're out of their mind. There's no more demons. That would be kind of like the... Uh, the Antiochians there uh, responding to Paul as Paul is talking about the Chaldeans coming upon them. But here's Paul saying, I'm telling you with the authority of the Spirit of God, yes, there are Chaldeans. There may not be physical Chaldeans, but the same demon spirits that work through the Chaldeans are working. They're roaming to and fro. They're looking to find a mastery over your lives. And he's giving them this warning that these Chaldean spirits or these spirits that were in the Chaldeans, these demon spirits, are something that we've got to be careful and not allow to hook a string to any part of our life. I want to show you in the Scripture how Chaldeans truly represent demon spirits, okay? Three things about the Chaldeans, and I want to drive, help drive this point home so that you will go out of here knowing your call, knowing what God is wanting to do in blessing you, but also understanding that there's an enemy and how he is trying his best to come against you. And when you understand how the enemy is trying to come against you, you're better prepared to not fall uh, prey to his tricks 
and to the traps that he has set for you. So here's three things about the Chaldeans. We see, first of all, the Scripture tells us that they are thieves. They are thieves. Verse 6 tells us that they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They're trying to take something that is not theirs. Now, we know the Bible tells us from the mouth of Jesus himself that Satan is a thief. So we see there's a correlation there. That Satan has come to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. He is a thief, Jesus tells us. So uh, many times the Bible talks about Satan, and it's in the reference of the work of Satan. You know, and the reason that's there is because Satan is not omnipresent. We need to understand that. Jesus Christ, as we study Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and our Heavenly Father is omnipresent. Omni means all, that God is everywhere at all times. Uh, he, he is every place. He is omnipresent. Now, it may seem like the devil is omnipresent, but he is not. He is not on the same level as God, not by a long shot. He is yet a created being, and uh, he is ubiquitous. And being ubiquitous, he seems like he's everywhere, but he is not. And the reason he seems like he is everywhere is because he has an army of demons, and these demons do his work. So it's called the work of Satan. If you'll remember when Jesus was talking to the woman, uh, he said this woman who had a spirit of infirmity, he's in, uh, he cast out the spirit of infirmity. And he said, shouldn't the woman be loose from uh, this whom Satan has bound? So he's casting out a spirit, which in the, in the Greek is a demon. He's casting out a demon. But uh, as he cast the demon out, then he says, shouldn't this woman be loose for whom Satan has bound? So Satan had bound her, but he had bound her through one of his demons. So it's the work of Satan. So we need to understand that most of, I would say, everything we probably have ever dealt with in our life has been the work of Satan. It has been demonic in nature, demon spirits, rather than Satan himself. I believe he's probably taking his, being that he cannot be all places at all times, he is surely trying to meet and take uh, over the Hitlers and, and the ones that can do the most damage uh, in the world. So when you see someone who wants to annihilate a whole race of people and annihilate, do this, uh, you can know there's where Satan is hanging out because that is an extreme that goes beyond anything that we can even imagine. But what we're dealing with, we call it the devil. It is the work of the devil, but it is these demon spirits. So they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are thieves. Uh, we read in Psalms 83, verse 1, it says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult or commotion. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your sheltered ones. And they have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of your people may be remembered no more. And then he goes on in verse 12 and he says, Who said... This is what the enemy is saying. Let us take for ourselves the pastures or the houses of God for a possession. So he's showing us that these demons want to go in and take mastery and take possession of places that is not theirs and their focus is on the pastures of God or the houses of God or you and I are the house. We are built up. We're the built up part. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The demons want to focus on doing everything they can to take us under their mastery. So we've got to be aware of this. And that's what Apostle Paul was talking about. That as we're going after God, 
there are demons coming after us, but don't buy into the lie uh, that, that demons are only after unbelievers. A lot of people say, well, the, the, the demons are after unbelievers. They already got unbelievers, right? So they're after anyone that's uh, going to mess up their plan, and that is not to make us afraid and back up. As I said, I think Sunday, God takes care of his generals too, and that kind of got out of context as somebody was like, well, he takes care of everybody. Well, I was trying to say don't, don't uh, fear stepping up and being the mighty man or mighty woman of God because the devil's going to put a bullseye on you. Don't be afraid because God's got your back. Amen. So we don't have to be afraid of the devil. He's under our feet. We just have to understand the authority we have, exercise the authority we have in the name of Jesus and according to the blood of the Lamb. And he is under our feet. And Jesus says the authority he's given us is over all the power of the enemy and he by no means shall harm us. So we're not to be afraid of the devil. But Paul says we should beware. We should have our eyes open and understand how this work of Satan or these demons are trying to get mastery or gain mastery over our lives. So these Chaldeans, they represent demons. Uh, if you go to the exhaustive dictionary of the Bible, uh, it gives uh, Bible names def with definitions, and you look up Chaldeans, you'll see, uh, as it were, demons. That's the definition, as it were, demons. The root word, literally, uh, uh, the root word is to lay waste or to destroy. To destroy. And the literal word, if you study it from its origin, it is wanderers. Wanderers. So these Chaldeans are wanderers. They are laying waste. They are destroying. They're demons. Now, isn't it amazing that the term Chaldeans actually means wanderers? Because when you pair that up with what Jesus said about a demon, if you remember, go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. Let's look at what Jesus said about a demon. He said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, that means if it gone out of a person, that means it had gained mastery. It was in there, okay? It wanders. That's what Jesus says. When the demon's been cast out, it wanders. And it wanders through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Because it was, it was swept, it was put in order, but it was empty. So how does the devil come back in? How does he get back in? He comes back in when he finds the place has just been swept. It's just been put in order, but it's empty. And how many times when people come to Christ and people get saved and they get their act together and, 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 and it's, it's like everything is being swept and put in order, but they don't fill their house. They don't fill their house. What do you fill the house with? What do you fill your heart with? What do you fill your spirit with? The Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do you Jesus think Jesus told the disciples, tarry here until you've been filled from on high with power till you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Then you can go and you're going to come against the gates of hell and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Let me tell you what, demons, demon spirits... 
when they come in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I guarantee if you could see it in the natural, they do like those scaredy cat dogs. I remember there was a little kid in our neighborhood by, that was 12, 13 years ago. I heard, ah! I heard screaming like I'd never, I can't even emulate it. It was just screaming at the pitch, pitches that was causing glass to break. And I'm like, what in the world? And I was in the backyard and I go running around. We're still constructing our house. And here comes this little kid. His bicycle's been thrown aside and he's running towards me. And he, uh, and a dog is right on his heels. And that thing made me so mad how that dog was torturing that kid. When the kid went by me, I stepped in front of that dog and I went, whoa! And that dog did a inside, I'm, I, he almost turned his fur inside out. And whoop, 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 his tail between his legs. I believe it's worse than that when the demon spirit comes up against the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So we got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We got to be filled with the Word of God. We got to be filled with God's anointing. And that's what we keep doing. We stay charged by coming here on Wednesday night. We stay charged when we get together on Sunday morning. Let me tell you what, two or more gathered together in my name, there I shall be in the midst of them. We can encourage one another in the Lord. Let me tell you what, the devil don't want nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. He don't want nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. That's why so many uh, folks trying to be uh, seeker sensitive and trying to build the church not God's way, uh, they, they don't talk about the Holy Ghost because they're scared they'll run people off. Well, if you want to run people off because you talk about the Holy Ghost, what you're basically saying is you just want a congregation full of demon-possessed people. Come on now. I don't know about you, but if I got a bad spirit on me, I want that thing gone. If I got a bad odor on me, tell me about it, and I will do what I can to get rid of that bad odor. If I got a bad spirit on me, I want the light of God's Word to tell the truth, and the truth will set me free, and I can tell that old spirit, you're going to go. That old mindset, you're going to go. That old negativity, negativity you got to go. That old lying spirit, you got to go. Whatever it is, expose it so I can get rid of it. Come on now. So you know, you got to understand what Paul is saying when he said, beware the Chaldeans. He is saying basically to a New Testament church, us, that these Chaldeans represent these demon spirits and this is how these demon spirits work and we've got to be careful. They may seem small, but they're bigger than you think because the Chaldeans was a very small nation. They were only about 40 miles wide and it was about the size of New Jersey, was about the size of, of, of their whole country there that they had. And uh, they were never ever conquered. Uh, they, they were there and then they were destroyed. Uh, you couldn't tame a Chaldean. You couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't negotiate with a Chaldean. They never, never, ever were conquered. But there came a day, the Bible says, they were destroyed. Same way you can't tame a demon. You can't negotiate with a demon. You can't say, okay, I'll let you live in here. I'll let you pull that string, but please don't embarrass me. You can pull that string and make me do that or get me to do that uh, when nobody's looking, and then it's okay. No, you can't negotiate with a demon. If you've got something pulling strings in your life, you better say, I identify you as a foul spirit, that you are uh, the Antichrist. You are against the anointing of Christ in me, and you got to go. And I rebuke you and resist you, devil, and you got to flee. Hallelujah. So, so God said, when my purpose for these Chaldeans were finished, he says, I'll destroy them. And we know the same is true with Satan and the demons that there's coming a day where they and hell themselves shall be cast by God into the eternal abyss never to be ever bothering us ever again. 
So, and so that's good. They're going to be destroyed. So there's this parallel there about the Chaldeans and we see these um, demon spirits. So, so when I encourage you that uh, you would say, I'm not going to allow a Chaldean or a, a demon spirit that's speaking in my ear, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to even let him talk anymore. I'm, going to, I'm not going to let... It's almost like someone trying to come up to you and tell you, you know, your, your wife is, is not good for you or your husband's not good for you or, or your boss is against you and they're just trying to destroy your life, filling your ear with, ear, filling your ear with lies. You've got to say, I'm not listening to this. I rebuke you. Shut up. You can't, you can't allow uh, these Chaldean demonic spirits... To, because they're, they're so, so tricked, they have such trickery, they're trying to get in and gain mastery over you. I'm telling you, it is uh, with these Chaldeans, we see that, you know, uh, that God had a purpose for them, and when that day and uh, that purpose was up, they're going to be done away with. And until then, they had to contend, contend with the Chaldeans, and you and I, until that day, when Satan, Lucifer, and all these demons are cast into the eternal abyss, we've got to learn how to contend with them and understand that they are a real threat before us, as Paul gave us this warning in the sermon that he's preaching. So you may not have realized this before, but the Chaldeans were the ones that took over Babylon. If you remember your Bible history. So even though it's a little size of New Jersey, a little, little country, and, 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 and not that many, boy, did they learn trickery and learn how to take over those huge uh, countries and those huge uh, moves uh, uh, throughout history. So as they came in, it says, uh, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. Think about that. You remember when he came in, what he did? He set up a 90-foot golden statue of himself. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That's not their real names. Those were those, their Chaldean names. Their real names were Haniah, Michael, and Azariah. That was their real names. But the Chaldeans would always, whoever they wanted to gain mastery over, they would call them by Chaldean names. Now you think about that. Demons want to call you by a different name. They want to call you sick. They want to call you poor. They want to call you defeated. They want to call you a loser. They want to call you a failure. They want to call you bound. You cannot, you cannot yield to those Chaldean names you got to say, wait a minute, this is whom God has called me. And God has called me a son, a daughter. God has called me the head and not the tail. God has called me blessed. God has called me healed. God has called me the favored of God. Amen? When Nebuchadnezzar came in, he took two things that Satan is still trying to take today if we're taking this parallel of the Chaldeans and Nebuchadnezzar as their leader, as Lucifer, Satan, and these demons. And I believe the parallel is proven in the Scripture. So here, if this is what Nebuchadnezzar wanted, these two things, this is what Satan and these demons want, these two things. Daniel 1, uh, verses 1 and following, I have that for you. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, it was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasury house of his God. 
Then the king instructed uh, Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, the young men, in whom there were no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. So when Nebuchadnezzar came in, say Lucifer comes in with the Chaldeans, with, you know, with these uh, d- demon spirits, he's after these two things. The first thing he was after was the gold and the silver from the temple. He wanted to break the house of God. He wanted to come against, you would say today, the tithe and the offering. He said, if I can keep the tithe and the offering out of the house of God, the house of God will not have the impact and be able to do what it's been called to do. I will cause the house of God to be, uh, uh, you might would say, um, you know, broke and, and, and busted and unable to accomplish its mission. So here, Nebuchadnezzar says, I got to get the gold and the silver out of the house of God. Man, I've seen the devil work at that. I thank God he hasn't won and he's not going to win. But boy, he'll do everything in his power. He'll get people to talk good about a church. He'll get people to say, uh, like the Facebook page of a church. He'll get people, even invite people to a church. But the devil, he says, when you start giving your finances to a church, boy, the devil will start fighting you in that area. He'll fight you in that area probably unlike any other area because he knows where your treasure is, your heart is, and where your heart is, your treasure is. So he's fighting that. He doesn't want your heart to get rooted in the house of God. And he don't want the mission and the vision of the house of God to go forward. So Nebuchadnezzar came in and he took, the, he took the riches out of the house of God and then he went after the next generation. He wanted the young ones. He wanted the next generation, the future leaders, and he wanted to bring them in and train them in Chaldean language. He wanted them to learn to speak the demonic language, the, the language of what the devil wanted, to promote what the enemy wanted rather than promoting what God wanted. And I believe that's why God has called us to spend so much time here at Christian Embassy studying God's Word together. Uh, because the world is trying so hard to train us in its language and in its literature. When Paul says, I'm giving you the gospel message, he says, but you've got to beware of the Chaldeans. And they're like, the Chaldeans? The Chaldeans were annihilated in 530-something B.C. What do you mean the Chaldeans? We now understand what Paul was talking about. Because the scripture shows this parallel that the Chaldeans were showing us in the physical how the work of the enemy is in the spiritual. That the enemy is trying his best to destroy the advancement of what God has done for you in in and through his salvation. The enemy is trying to teach you in its language, teach you in its literature so that your mind is made up of lies rather than the truth of God's word. And we've got to stay with the word of God. Some people say it's not popular this day to preach the Word of God. we got to stay in the Word of God. So, I mean, there's good books out there that, that are based out of God's Word. They're, they're good books. Got a lot of man's thoughts in it, but they're good books based out of God's Word. But there's nothing like God's Word itself. It's like it's the most powerful, most anointed. Most, uh, it's almost awesome. It is supernatural. And if we could see it that way, it's supernatural. 
Our faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Our mind is renewed by the Word of God. It's, we've, oh my, if we would just get in the Word of God and consume the Word of God and memorize the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God and reply to the devil with the Word of God. That's how Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness. When He came against him, He said, It is written. It is written. He came straight from the Word. It is written. That's Jesus Christ Himself. That's the Word who came and dwelt among us. But He's quoting the Word of God back to the devil to defeat the devil and to get victory even in the wilderness. Oh, the devil is trying his best like the Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans to get them into the, the Chaldean literature and the Chaldean language. The enemy's trying to get us to speak defeat and speak broke and speak a weakness and speak sickness and speak lack and speak defeat and all this stuff. When we got to rise up and say, wait a minute, if we truly are sons and daughters of God, if we truly are a royal priesthood, if we truly have the blood of Jesus now flowing through our veins as a, as a child of the King, let me tell you what, shouldn't we learn the language of His kingdom and speak His language instead of the language of the world? Hallelujah. So this is how the enemy will come against you. Just like when he captured uh, Israel... He came in trying to get stuff in their mind, putting stuff in their mind. He dealt with what they put in their body and what they gave to God. Those were the three areas. And boy, you see the parallel of those three areas of 1 John, where 1 John talks about the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. You see those three parallels. Uh, there we go. What, what you put in your mind. That, so here's Nebuchadnezzar. says, in order to get the mastery over them, We've got to give them, we've got to, we got, to, we got to restructure their mind. We've got to get their mind filled with the Chaldean literature, Chaldean language, Chaldean ways. And what they put in their body, we've got to, a strict diet here. We've got to hold them to the Chaldean diet. And then what they give to God, they're not going to be able, we're going to steal what was given to their God, and now it's going to be given to, and it's little g, our God. So, so as Nebuchadnezzar put himself up even to be God. So now you're giving it to him rather than giving it to God Almighty. So the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of eyes parallel there so, so easily. So don't open the doors to the enemy. And don't give him familiar territory and associate, uh, let him associate with anything in you. You say, I am going to be sanctified. Do you know what sanctified means? That means I'm set apart. I am set apart. I am a child of God. I am set apart. There is a, there is a cleansing. There is an anointing. There is a purifying. There is a, re, uh, you might would say, a restructuring. I'm having a rebranding. Uh, the enemy may have branded me as his own in the world. Man, I, when I was in the world, I did the world music God, the world's way. And I threw money away the world's way. And I drank it away. And I drugged it away. And I sexed it away. And I, whatever, however the devil, it was just like, man, man, you got to rebrand yourself. You got to say, God, sanctify me. As I think, if, as I set myself apart, I don't, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm, I'm going to use my money to carry on your legacy, God. I'm going to use my body to, I'm going to get it healthy and I'm going to use my body to advance your kingdom. And I'm going to have my mind. I'm not going to think those dirty thoughts. I'm not going to think that worldly way. I'm not going to think that greed way. I'm looking who I can help, not who I can take advantage of. I'm looking at who I can uh, help or get to the 
next level rather than me stepping on them to get to the next level. I I, want to be sanctified, God. Holy Spirit, sanctify me. Set me apart. Set me asunder. Let me be a vessel of honor rather than a vessel of dishonor. Hallelujah. So we've got to understand that how we, what we associate with gives the enemy access to us. So, so Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans, they stole these two things, the tithe or the gold and the silver from God and the next generation. And, uh, and another picture of the Chaldeans is squatters. They were squatters. Uh, they, they would squat on the back piece of a property that was neglected. Now you picture this. They would go in and they would squat on the back piece of a property that you neglected. Then they would move closer in to maybe the attic of somewhere you didn't go very often. Then they would move into the room next door, that, the do- room where you kept that door shut because that's the junk room or that's the part of my heart that it's not given to God yet. I still got some secret stuff in there I don't want anybody to see. Well, he moves in there because he can associate with that but you know the whole time he's working his strings and the next thing you know, he's going to pull up the strings and you're going to be the puppet and he's going to have you mastered and he's going to have all, all the areas of your life. That's how the Chaldeans or these demon spirits were. Three things about the Chaldeans. I said they are thieves. They are vicious. They are vicious. You need to understand that. Satan never has a good day. He never has a merciful moment. Oh, you say, devil, have mercy on me. Have you ever seen one of those shows where an evil uh, villain would just uh, have the gun and and the person says, I'm the dad. I've got three small children. I've got a wife. Please, please let me live. And for no reason, they just kill him anyway. Well, let me tell you what, that's Satan multiplied. Let me tell you what, he's multiplied meaner and worse than that. You shouldn't like him. You shouldn't want to do anything that advances his kingdom at all. He never has a merciful moment. Look at Habakkuk 1 and 7. It says, they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed, uh, proceed from themselves. Their horses are also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their charges charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. So he's explaining the Chaldeans, but he's really explaining how demons are. They're ready like an eagle to soar in at 100 miles an hour to grab a fish, to grab your life, to take advantage of a moment when you are acting out more like the devil than God. And he says, there's an opening, there's an opening, let me come in. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. Man, they're like wolves. There's other places in the Bible that talks about the enemy of God and demons as wolves. In Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-seven, 27, it says, Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. In Zephaniah 3 and 3, her princes in, in, in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. And in Acts 20 and 29, for I know this, that after my departure, uh, Jesus says, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So he's talking about how these, even in the New Testament, these savage wolves will come in. Talking about demons, how they want to come in. Not literal wolves that he's talking about, but demonic spirits that are trying to come into the sheep wolf, uh, sheepfold. So if you do a study on wolves, you see that when they are most casual and most innocent looking, they are really studying you up and sizing you up so that they can get ready for the attack. The more indifferent they seem, the more serious the danger. 
because they're preparing for a pack attack. And that's how demons, if the Bible says they're like wolves, then you study what wolves do, and that's how demons work. They're, they come in with a pack attack. The more comfortable they appear, the more deadly they are. And they do that because we drop our guard when they seem casual, when they seem like there's no real demons today. We're in the 21st century. What are you talking about? There's no real demons in the spirit realm. I mean, that's just folklore. That's just something those old Pentecostals used to get worked up about. Come on now. Oh, they're just laying low. They're just seeming very indifferent because now you're dropping your guard. You better watch out. You better watch out because they're looking for a weak moment in your life. And I'm telling you, they're looking for a time of isolation. That's what they really love is for one of the flock to get out of the flock and get isolated. Ha! That's the one they pounce on. That's an easy meal. That's why the devil's always trying to get you out of church. He's trying to get you broke up with your friends that are Christians. He's trying to make you find, look at the fault of your brother or sister in Christ. Let me tell you what. You hung out in the world with people that had worse faults than, than you trying to break up over in the church. It's just a tri trick of the devil. He just needs you isolated. He needs you he, because the, the pack, the, the flock is stronger and a greater threat. But when there's that one isolated, those wolves says, uh-huh, there's land. Lamb chops tonight. There's lamb chops tonight. Get the mint sauce ready. It's going to be some good eating here. You've got to hear me. Please, please hear me. We are a sheepfold right here. And you and I, we are sheep. And the wolf and these wolves, these demons are trying to get us. So let's not allow the enemy to pull us apart. Rather, let us understand that we're stronger together that we need to do life together, that we need to forgive and we need to confront. If there's offenses, we need to say, I'm not taking offense, but look, you gotta, you got to work on this because you're rubbing me the wrong way. There's nothing wrong with telling somebody that. And if you tell someone uh, you're rubbing me the wrong way and they get all upset and then there's a lot of immaturity in them because the Bible says better the truth from a friend than you know, to be puffed up with a lie from your enemy. I'm telling you, we need to tell the truth, but tell it in love. I've heard some people say, well, the truth will set you free. And they act more like the devil in trying to expose people. You've got to tell the truth in love. And there's a lot of things. It's just, it's just differences of uh, characteristics of a person. And just because they're not just like you doesn't make them wrong. And it doesn't make you wrong that you probably is irritating to them as they are to you, and you think if everybody in the world was just like you, the world would be a great place. We know that ain't true. <laughs> Amen. So these Chaldeans, they, they were like wolves. It also, as you study the Chaldeans, they were excellent uh, 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 Arch, archmen, they, they were archers. They, could, they were amazing at the way they could, with the accuracy they could with the bow and the arrow. And they said that they would live in the marshes and camouflage in the marshes so you didn't even see them. So then when you dropped your guard and you came and got stuck in the muck, then they just took easy aim and took you out. So we see that they are thieves. They are vicious like wolves. And finally, we close with this one, they are cunning. They are cunning. The Bible says that they are taking crafty counsel. Get this. They are tricksters. Now, does that sound like the devil and demons? They are tricksters. Okay? The first Chaldean didn't go in as a warrior. If you look at the way the Chaldeans work, what he would do, he would go in as a friend. 
He's a trickster. He'd go in as your friend. The ways Assyria got used to him, uh, the friend came in, they got very comfortable with him. Then they said, you know what? You are offering a lot of good advice and you really care about uh, our country here. So they appointed him the ruler uh, over the region of Babylon. And as he ruled for 10 years, Assyria found out that, you know, uh oh, we have really made a mistake because eventually the Chaldeans came in and conquered uh, uh, Assyria and Babylon because they had the inside man who had been given charge. That's how the devil works. He'll move in, he'll act like he's your friend. He'll act like he can get you out of this, uh, the, the rut you're in. He acts like he can get you in a more joyful uh, life. He can get you to enjoying things a lot better. He's opening doors for you. But let me tell you what, there is always a rusty hook under that gummy worm of a bait that he uses. And you can always know he's going to yank it and he's going to get mastery over you and he's going to bring destruction in your life. So, so he it works that way. Uh, the Chaldeans is a, a synonymous with astrologer, magician, and sorcerer. If you're reading Daniel 2 and 2, it says the king gave the command to call all the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. Now, a magician, a, a magician will distract you so they can deceive you, but a sorcerer will deceive you by actual spirits and an astrologer will try to determine your future by natural events. And here in that same pot, he says the Chaldeans. That's how demon spirits work. They're trying to distract you. They're trying to deceive you. And they're trying to determine the future they want for you. So you've got to understand, I have, I have nothing to gain and everything to lose if I don't identify demons and put up a strong fight against them because if I let them have their agenda in my life, this is what's going to happen. So, so speaking of Chaldeans, these biblical types of demons, in Habakkuk 1 and 15, look at this. They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net. Now this is, this is what these demons do. No, this is what the devil's doing. Now, he's trying, to, he's trying to take you up with a hook to catch them in their net and gather them, them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. You will cause a praise and worship service to break out among demons as they praise Lucifer when they're able to hook you or throw out their net and catch you and gather you in their dragnet. That brings rejoicing and gladness in that. So they try to figure out what bait you like. So I ask you, what bait do you like? What bait do you like? You need to, you need to think that through. You need to understand that because when that bait comes floating through the water of your life and you know that bait will tempt you, you will, for a moment, if you're not careful, you will lose yourself. Remember, Satan came to Eve and caused her to forget who she was, to forget her identity of, as, a, as a daughter of God. And he will, the enemy will trick you, and there's a hook. There's a hook in that bait. And the demons are ready to rejoice. They're ready. If you, if you nibble on it, they're, they're excited. Just like when you're fishing, you see the, the, the little bobber going, you're like, yes, yes, yes. And then when it runs with it, you're like, and you set the hook. 
And you're like, hot diggity dog. There's, there's dinner tonight. Okay, unless you're fishing in a mud hole and you're like, no, I'm not going to eat that. I better throw that one back. But nonetheless, that, the devil gets happy when we do that. So we've got to understand what bait it is that, that he'll use. I, I was watching a fishing program recently and, and they were using, I think, seven different types of live bait. Uh, or, or, or but not live bait, but bait. It wasn't artificial bait. It was dead and they were just cutting it up. And, uh, and they were explaining that different fish like different bait, different weather temperature, they like a different thing. Uh, different times and seasons, they like a different thing. And, and so he says, I'm not really sure. We're at we're a changing of season. I don't know if they're still on the old stuff or the new stuff, but I'm going to try it all. Well, that's demons. They're doing the same thing with you. They're trying this with you, and they're throwing it out. And if you're like, no, I'm done with that. I've done, I done cursed my life, and I've done, been negative, and it just gets me depressed, and I, I've, just, I've damned my business, and I've damned my marriage, and I've damned my dog, and I've damned my cat, and I've damned everything, and, and it all came to true. It was all damned. Okay, I done learned it. So when the bait's out there to be negative, you're like, no, nah, that, that, don't, that don't even attempt me. So he's like, okay. So then they throw, they say, change it up with some greed and throw some greed out there. Oh man, you'll have money and you won't have to work and everybody will respect you and you, 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 everybody will be serving you and you won't have to do anything. And you're like, you've done been that route? That don't tempt you. Then he's going to throw out something else and he's going to keep trying. He's gonna, they're going to keep trying. So you have to understand yourself. What is it that in you is not being fulfilled in Christ so that you can get on the altar and you can say, Holy Spirit, fill that area of my life. I don't want to be empty in that area because I don't want no string of the puppeteer all hooked to me in any part. And so that when that bait is thrown before you, you just laugh and say, I see it. Because when I go fishing, uh, and Brother Tim... Uh, we'll tell you, Brother Tim Williams, and he used to uh, be a guide that took fishermen out, always caught fish. He's like every, he had his honey holes, he calls them. And he's like, man, I can t always take them to my three honey holes and get our limit any time. And I said, well, you know, I said, well, I'm ready to catch some fish. I've not had the, the, the greatest uh, uh, results in fishing, but I'm going with a, you know, fish tour guide. Yes, let's go. We went. And we drowned a lot of worms, and we drowned a lot of crickets, and, we, and I reckon that's called fishing, we, but we weren't catching. And to this day, if he was here tonight, and he's probably watching, he's laughing, he'll say, you know, I can take anybody to my honey holes and we can catch fish, except Pastor Tim. He was, he was like, he had bragged about those holes so much, and we were like, there, and I'm like, I'm not impressed. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. See where that, that limb goes right at? Man, every time, just throw it right there. Every time I throw it right there, no. Well, those fish got smart to my bait. And that's how I want to be smart to Satan's bait. I want him to say, I just can't get Pastor Tim. I, am, I have tried this, I have tried that. And not just Pastor Tim, I want you to get it so that you can say, I'm not biting his bait either. I am not giving the devil any uh, stronghold in my life. Because let me tell you what, just like the Chaldeans are thieves, they, the Chaldeans are vicious and they're cunning, so demon forces today are the same for you and me. They are thieves, they will steal. You can let the devil in, he'll, you'll, be, you'll have less. Your self-worth, your physical worth, your financial worth, your mental worth, 
your spiritual worth, whatever worth you have is going down. It's like a stock market crash when a demon comes in. Let me tell you what. You've got to identify devil. You've got to get out. You've got to get out because he's there to thieve. How about go to that uh, three things about Chaldeans there so we can see that. They are thieves. They are thieves. Are you experiencing a lot of loss in your life? Are you experiencing, you know, you go out and you plant and you sow and you sow and then you go out there and it's like, what happened? And then you look at the camera that, that uh, took footage overnight and you saw the crows, even in the middle of the night, going right down the road, eating all the seed that you had just planted. Man, I used to get so mad on the farm. We'd be out there working in that hot sun and we're out there planting and I'd look back at all those blackbirds and all those crows and they're just having, they're having a field day. And I would say, and I'd go and we would take shotguns and we'd just shoot it in the air, boom, and make them fly. they go and laugh. they just go get a little exercise. You get the tractor on the other end, they come right back down. they just walk right down the road, just take it, take it, take it, take it. How frustrating that was. Well, that, that's the Chaldeans. They are thieves. Does it feel like in your life that everything you're sowing, everything you're putting out, or maybe the, the north field's doing fine, but the south field, one area of your life, is not? Well, you need to identify how in the world the Chaldeans are coming in. They're, they're hiding in the marshes. They're camouflaging themselves so you can't see them. So they can take you out with their, their bow and arrow. They can take you out and steal from your life. And they're vicious. They're vicious. You don't want to allow them. It's like your home. Brother Tony will probably confirm this. If you identify termites in your home, you shouldn't just say, well, they got a right to eat. They got a right to life and just ignore it. Because if you do, he's going to make a little more money when he, your half your house is falling down rather than maybe just a little repair. Because they are vicious. They horizontal just travel, 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 and go up, travel, travel, and just have a heyday, okay? And they are cunning. They are cunning. And the scripture shows us that over and over and over again. So that's why he tells us in Ephesians 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now the wiles, methodia, is literally means, that word wiles means cunning arts, craft, trickery, deceit. That's his definition. Cunning arts, deceit, crafty, trickery. That's the wiles of the devil. That's his methods. That's his plots. And the world wants to make a cartoon of Satan. He's a little red guy with a little pitchfork and a little tail and all this stuff. But in reality, he has an entire army. And they are organized. Joel tells us that they are like an army of locusts who will come in and devour everything in sight. And they march in ranks, and they don't break ranks. Rank. They know exactly what their marching orders are because they're only about, Jesus said, to kill, steal, and destroy. Man, there, there are many categories we find in Scripture of demons. Demons are real, church. Let me tell you what, you, you need to understand this. There's categories throughout the scripture, uh, seven of them that I found. Thrones, lordship, rulership, uh, authorities, principalities and powers, rulers in darkness, evil and unclean spirits. And what I want us to do is do a deeper study in this so we can identify. Because he's so crafty and he's such a trickster that he comes in 
Just like they brought the Chaldean in to Babylon and eventually give him a high position, never to know, then he takes over everything. When you see the life of Hitler, you see it very, very similar in how he came in. And the next thing you know, he's been trusted. And now he turns over and he's all in charge. And then Satan's able to do what he did in and through him. He doesn't change. Satan doesn't change. That's how he works. And that's how he'll try and work in your life as well. So what I want us to do is do a, a more of a study on demons and evil spirits and how to recognize them and how to make sure that they are not having any participation in our life so that we can uh, know that we're walking in the victory. You remember in the scripture it was Abram who was called out of... He, no, he, yeah, he was born in Chaldea. Remember? He was born in Chaldea, and God called him out of Chaldea. So I believe God's calling us out of where the enemy has any mastery over us. 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Wow, that's how he works. So what we've got to do is we've got to put on the whole armor of God. We've got to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 and 18, and I close with this, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, dissipation, but be, and I had to use this. I was looking for a cup that had, it was overflowing, and I just knew some of you just needed a little coffee break here just tonight, so I had a little sweet coffee break, a little espresso dish here, okay. But he says, uh, be filled. And that word filled means overflowing, where it's running out the rim, running over the rim with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk in the Holy Spirit. In other words, that word drunk, don't come under the influence of wine. The, even the bars and all, they call it spirits. You know, little, you know we've, got, we've got food and spirits, okay? You get pulled over by an officer and say, uh, ma'am, sir, I'm arresting you for driving under the influence. The influence of what? Spirits, because that rotten drink caused you to lower your defenses and those evil spirits are able to do what they want to do. Well, in the opposite, he wants us to lower our defenses and say, fill me, Holy Spirit, because you're holy. That means everything you want is good, is pure, is perfect. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I don't want the spirit power of demon spirits working in my life. I want the power of God's spirit working in my life. Man, that should make somebody want to shout. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want us to do this study so that we can better position ourselves to live a victorious life and not let the devil have any, you might would say, uh, notches in his belt or any marks on his pad for victory in our life. I want us to live from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from victory to victory. Amen? And I want to teach you how to do that. So that's what we're going to be studying together, and I pray you'll help support that as we go forward on our Wednesday nights, uh, and that God may be blessed. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus.